Hi, welcome to another episode of the Get More Students podcast. I am your co-host, Alex Asher, CEO of LearnCube. And I'm Herbert Gerzer, founder of HerbertGerzer.com. Well, today we've got a fun topic uh, and we've got a fun person joining us to talk Mm. about how can free trials boost leads in your education business? So I'm really pretty uh, excited about this. A, because we've got Willem. Willem Everett, hello, hello. Um, who is joining us, who is not only somebody... How many years of experience have you got in teaching, Willem? Online, about six. Six years. And wow. uh, some crazy number of uh, classes you've done, right? Yeah, we worked it out. I mean, it sounds really impressive. It was, I mean, we do it in minutes, <laughs> we worked it out. Uh, but it's about four and a half thousand hours. Wow, that is, um, that is decent. And impressive. you've actually also been doing trial classes for a while, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's uh, really critical <laughs> to be able How, to, to amass that number. You need to be good at getting students in. So, and sorry, just to be clear again, how many like how many years or how many classes do you think you've done of just trial classes? Not just not normal classes, but you're just trial classes. Um, I reckon at my peak. I was doing like 50-50 trials uh, for the school I was working for on, on my own uh, for a few years. I don't know, say about a thousand. That so, is wow. good. So if, yeah. you're, if you're listening in here and wondering, <laughs> hey, am I going to learn something about delivering trials uh, for my education business? I think the answer is a definite yes. Uh, <laughs> if you want to know who uh, Alex and Herbert are, let's just start off by introducing ourselves as you might be joining us as your first episode. Um, so I'm Alex Asher, the CEO of LearnCube, and LearnCube specializes in helping online language and tutoring businesses to grow their business. Uh, we do that through our virtual classroom software and our all-in-one online school solution, which deals with bookings, payments, managers, users, managers, classes, managers, pretty much everything you'd need to be able to teach successfully online. And Herbert, how will people know about your credentials <laughs> on marketing, which are sure. quite, quite insurmountable? <laughs> Yes, well, I run a digital advertising agency specialized in helping language schools and education businesses grow their enrollments through paid advertising. And a lot of our clients use free trials or free lessons or free demos as a lead generation tool. Uh, and we run campaigns for that. So, um, you know, we've had challenges in the past, uh, getting the lead quality up to scratch, getting people to actually show up to these free trials. So I'm excited to uh, get some insights from Willem today. And uh, just on top of that, I mean, we we rounded Willem's extensive experience (laughs) with doing trial classes. But what you also might like to know, and just in full transparency, is LearnCube is very lucky to have Willem as our head of education. Uh, so not only does Willem, you, know, you might see Willem as part of your joining the LearnQ community, but also uh, Willem's very exposed to the questions that people ask about, hey, how do I do free trial classes in LearnCube or, or, or any other system? And, and actually, Willem, do you want to tell us a little bit about your experience and the kind of questions you often get asked by people you know, interested in doing free trials and using LearnCube? Yeah, well, I mean, so my main function, I suppose, in LearnCube is on um, training up uh, new schools and I'm, I'm creating the materials for them to, to onboard. So I'm exposed to a lot of really specific questions. And that's, I suppose, the biggest takeaway is that every school is different. 
every school has their specific needs. So, you know, there's not a training session goes by that I don't hear a question I haven't heard before. You know, so whatever your market is, that that's something to really focus on. You know, what are what are the specific needs that I'm filling here for my students? But yeah, so I, I, it's nice. It means I have my own trial experience in my own niche of English classes, but I've also kind of learned a lot from the schools that I'm working with and that are doing, you know, different languages and maths and other academic subjects too. Exactly right. Uh, so when we were setting up for this conversation, there is so much that we can get into, but we've got mm. some high level points and I'm going to just summarize them now so you can get your tea or water on your desk and ready to listen <laughs> to some really interesting content, hopefully. The, the key ideas that we're going to cover is really just understanding the reason that you're offering trial or, or not offering trials, making it very easy. How do you make trial passes viable? We're going to be talking about how to be really organized and how critical that organization piece is. We're going to be talking about how to recruit the, the right teacher to do those trials or what to look for when you're, when you are recruiting. We're going to talk about how to deliver those trial classes, how to work to your strengths, how to understand student needs. You can tell that there's a lot that goes in, <laughs> into this uh, one topic. And not only that, it doesn't stop. You know, you have to follow up with students. How do you really experiment and improve your processes? And those are just the high-level um, ideas of what we're going to be covering today. So let's start with the first idea here. Well, in particular, since you know this is something that you do, you've, you've done and, and possibly still do uh, on a very regular basis, what is the point in offering trial classes? Obviously, you, your student wants to check that you're legit. You know, they, they want to see is is this um, you know going to work for me. It's not just about delivering a class. Um, it is also part sales call. So that involves, you know, reassuring your students uh, that you can deliver uh, for, for their specific needs. And also it's about you learning um, more about the student and, and, and what they need so that you can orient your follow up messages accordingly. You can orient the, the class itself accordingly. And then afterwards, when they do sign up, you've got all this wealth of information so you should definitely be taking notes you know um and then it means that basically you're going to be a, a better teacher to this student when they do sign up because you know their needs already and if you're working for a you know a larger school you, you can pass those on to the whole team so whatever teacher they get assigned to is going to have all of your notes makes a lot of sense and i mean the outcome that we're really looking for though is that that student commits Probably to a paid, but certainly a follow-on class or course. Like that's the that's the whole goal of this. And part of that is a trade, right? Like I'm giving you this free class that you're going to enjoy, but on top of that, you're giving me your attention and hopefully your your business. Uh, Herbert, how do you sort of see this, particularly from a marketing perspective, in terms of understanding the goal? You might be even uh, optimizing certain Facebook ads uh, to get that conversion. How do you see the trial class? Sure. Uh, yeah, it's that kind of first stepping stone um, to, you know, book, booking or registering or enrolling for a course. And I, I agree with uh, all, all the points that uh, William said about you know, showing that you can actually deliver on what you're promoting, what you're marketing, uh, and also to build trust. Uh, there is so much skepticism out there, especially online. There are so many language schools, service providers. So uh, students, prospective customers want to know that their investment is going to be a wise one. So, uh, and 
uh, a free trial is a fantastic way of building that relationship. One, one thing I think is useful is to really think about it as a customer. So rather than how can I use free trials to grow my business, which is one way to look, I think you also need to look the other way, which is why is the student do it, you know, need this free trial yeah. and then kind of working mm. backwards from that. Willem, how do you sort of see that? What needs to go into a trial class to make it, you know, tick the boxes? And also maybe as a way of contrast, what is a trial class not? The thing is, you, you don't want to have a situation where um, your student comes in and you're teaching it like, you know, the, uh, and, and the class in the middle of a course where, you know, I'm going to I saw you before and I'm going to see you next week. You know, you, you need to make that connection with the student so that they feel really heard and valued. And then, you know, while you have them, you need to, to kind of uh, leverage that connection. I find that really fascinating. Well, I'm going to stop you just for a moment because uh, I don't know if you've seen this as well, Herbert, but some a free trial has to be an initial experience, a first time. Mm. And I'm I think what sometimes concerns me is when I hear of a school that maybe they want to offer group classes. And again, no problem offering group classes, but they're going to dump a new fresh student into an existing course or class that the students may have already met each other and are already further advanced. How do you kind of see that? Do you like, is that something that could work? Because it, it, might, it becomes a lot cheaper for one thing, which is why some businesses might be attracted to it. But I, I am a bit worried about the effectiveness of that because so many things would need to go right for that free trial to turn into a conversion. I mean, the, 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 that free trial is then really finding out uh, more about the student to see if they are going to be a fit with uh, the current group. Um, so finding out their goals, if they've done online lessons before um, and things like that. Uh, so I guess the, the the first part of the call is is, is more asking questions to the student to get their goals and and see if they're going to be um, the right fit for that group class. What I'm hearing is that it's clear that, well, at least what I've heard is that you need it to make it personal. This is not something that is a group experience. Mm. It's a personal experience. And again, Willem, you probably would back that up in terms of it being a consultation. With group classes, I'm, I'm used to doing one-to-one -one classes, so, so I come at it from a different point of view. But with group classes, I've seen before, like you said, where schools will throw a new student into a group or just kind of uh, wait until they have three students and then put them together. And it can often go wrong. You know, if you're finding that in your case, maybe it's better not to give a free demonstration class, which is, you know, that, that tester class for the student, but better to offer a free assessment a free consultation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, in, in my trials, you know, I was trying to do five minutes at the start and five minutes at the end. So five minutes at the start, hey, who are you? You know, what, why do you want to study English? You know, what are your learning goals? What are your difficulties? And there I found all the information I need to get about your uh, goals. But I've also had a little bit of a conversation. And I don't know, I got quite good at it now. I can usually place them on the CEFR chart pretty quickly within that five minutes. And then the last five minutes is, you know, your um, okay so what's our next step and if you've got any questions about the course any questions about the pricing so add those two together you've got a 10 minute assessment slash consultation so yeah it might be it's, it's not going to be viable for you to do an individual you know 30 minute or 60 minute class for each student if your market if your sorry, model is is on groups yeah. but definitely you could you could break that down into three or or six 10 minute sessions 
get the students into them and then group them accordingly. And again, their first impression of an actual class when they've been grouped is going to be much better because they're not with students way above or below their level. Yeah, I think also this is going to play into another concept that we talk about is about how do we make sure that they're really quality leads and people that you, you really want on those. If you're pushing purely a class that somebody can drop in, it's also kind of almost incentivizes somebody just to join up for free because then they're going to enjoy an uninterrupted class for, uh, let's say, a half an hour, an hour, but then there's no need to, you know, you're not going to be assessed, you're not going to be pointed out or, or anything else. And it, again, it kind of would go against the goal, which is to have this person sign up in an mm. ongoing basis. Let's talk a little bit more about how easy we can make it for the student to do that. How easy do we want to make that for the student? Let's start with you, Herbert, and then maybe, Willem, just practically how do we get people in? Sure, you want to make it easy, but not too easy. A lot of people these days just click blindlessly on on things and sign up for things that they don't know that they signed up for. So um, something that we implemented with... Uh, the ad campaigns and kind of advise our, our clients to do uh, when they're promoting free trials is to uh, have some questions um, and not just name and email, but some open-ended questions, maybe what is your level? Uh, what are your learning goals? When was the last time you took an English uh, course or a language course? Mm. So that people actually need to stop and think about, uh, you know, what their answer is and they know what they're signing up for. Yeah, and that thinking is, is a really important part of them buying, right? Like if they mm. haven't thought about why they're doing it, then, you know, again, it's just rolling the dice too much and it's an expensive resource to, and mm. it's, and it's demotivating as well for teachers to have lots of no-shows or unqualified people turning up to their classes. Uh, in your view, Willem, how do you make it easy to schedule these trial classes, for example, what makes a what makes a difference? Definitely for, from your teacher's point of view, um, it's nice that I, I have a block in my calendar and I know that, you know, from, from 10 to 12, I'm doing trial classes, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm, I'm not going to ever book regular classes into that slot. You know, if, if that's possible for you, that makes life a lot easier. And then I plan my day that within that little swat, slot of, of 10 to 12, I am doing my homework or correcting my homework. I am, you know, doing my lesson plans and getting my day ready. So it's not wasted time because the, the worst thing that could happen is you just sitting there watching YouTube videos. Enjoyable though it is, it's, it's a waste of your time and, you know, time is money. And particularly if you're running a school, you don't want all your teachers sitting there doing that. So, so have that time allocated for something else because even with the, the best funnel and everything, you're going to have mm. a relatively high no-show rate and you should be prepared for that and then work with it. Yeah. Uh, just to clarify as well, like, and when we're saying a, a fairly large one, like it, it could be even, you know, 40, 50 percent could be no shows. Um, and that still be actually quite viable. But you know, I think for a lot of people organize a meeting, you expect that person to be there 99 percent of the time. And I think if you're doing free trials, you do need to factor in that no show rate. But yeah. kind of what we're saying is not allow that to be purely a roll of the dice, but something that you're constantly trying to improve so that we have fewer no-shows and more qualified leads. And again, we'll probably talk a little bit about how to make that viable. One thing I was wondering from your perspective, Willem, was the actual mechanics of organizing a free trial time. What do you feel is the easiest way to make that happen? Uh, is it 
you know, pick one of these times, like a Calendly kind of thing? Is it uh, just email, like that the student emails is a, emails a couple of times that work for that student, and then uh, you kind of match the teacher or teacher, the trial teacher? What, what's your view on that? Yeah, well, anyone kind of listening for a, an easy answer will be sickened to know that uh, I've, I've tried all of these methods, and they <laughs> all have ups and downs. I mean, there is the method of just allowing students to have a free credit when they sign up uh, like yeah. on our platform you, you you can give them a free credit and they could just book a class whenever mm-hmm. what you're losing there is the teacher might not be prepared that this is a class a trial class you might not realize uh, you can send a set a calendly link mm-hmm. um where you just need to um you know choose a time for my calendar and they do and it's, it's really easy you can also uh, incorporate some questions there to kind of qualify the lead a little bit but it's it's so easy that they'll often forget even though it'll create a Google calendar and things. So you need to follow up. Uh, another method you could do is literally just you have your Calendly and contact them and you know, say, if, once they apply or, or you know click the button and say, I want to book a free trial, you reach out to them directly by email and say, hey, my name is Willem, blah, blah, blah. Or would, would one of these three times work for you? And offer them a few times or, or even two times, you know. You know, you're going to build up a conversation if, if they get back to you saying they, you know, they don't work for you, you can offer them more times. And that back and forth, is what you want because that shows you that they actually are invested in in getting the lead. Um, but whatever your method is for them choosing a time, following up is really important. And um, again, you, you've got to experiment, but definitely the, the morning of, you want to send them a reminder, hey, you know, we've got a class today at 10 and here are the instructions to, to log in or, or to meet me or whatever. Depends. Some some schools will say they, they usually send one the day before or two days before as well. You really don't want to be booking trials for more than a week in advance because they just get forgotten. But yeah, it's 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 about experimenting on what is the best for you and what's the best for your you know target demographic. Um, Makes sense. One other tip I think, and because we're exposed to it with LearnCube, sometimes we're asked, you know, hey, do you do like I don't know. We, we normally do 30 minute classes, but we want to cut down the, 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 the length of our trial classes and can we do 10 or 15 minute trial classes? I think some, sometimes the answer is totally fine. What you don't want is something that can inhibit you from getting back to back trial classes. What are the durations that don't work particularly well in your view, Willem? Like where you could pretty much have one person and they kind of block out multiple times effectively. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I did say earlier you could do 10 minute uh, level assessments, you know, in, in lieu of yeah. doing a, a trial. But realistically, 15 minutes is the minimum you want there because what happens is you tend to get a busy period around, you know, January and New Year's resolutions. Um, you get a load of trials booked in back to back and you need to be able to comfortably help students with tech troubles. So if you're doing a class class, 30 minutes realistically is the minimum slot because you need, okay, five, five minutes at the start, five minutes at the end, and potentially five minutes of, you know, helping them, you know, work their microphone or whatever. You know, your students may not be very tech savvy and, and you need to be able to accommodate that. And the knock on effect of being late for all the different trials is, is really bad. And it makes yeah. you look bad as your first impression, you know. So yeah, a, a five minute buffer to allow you to, to, you know, help out. Tech troubles is good, but 30 minutes for a real class, 15 minutes if it's just a level assessment. Makes a lot of sense. Let's go on to the how I, how to make these trials more viable, which is improving two things, the quality of the leads and minimizing the no-shows. Herbert, what's your view in terms of improving the quality of leads that turn up to these trials? 
I touched about this and having like a mini questionnaire or, or getting people to invest a little bit of time. That's shown to be quite effective. Having paid trials, uh, I can't really give you an answer, uh, on, on that. If that's more effective than having free trials, I think Willem has, has more experience on that. Um, I guess it depends on the price point and target market of your, of your service. I, I think the questionnaire goes, goes a long way to improving mm. the, the quality of the leads that come in. I think I'll echo that as well, Herbert. When you were saying that, I was like, hmm, what, you know, would just charging a dollar really kind of mm. help the person really commit and think? And actually, I'm not so sure it's helpful. And there's two, here's two, two examples. One is, I remember just recently I was at a conference and I was at the same conference a year ago. My session was free this, the year before. I think we had four or five times as many students uh, or attendees this uh, compared to this, the same time this year. And that was just with a $1 difference on the price. I'm not saying that that's perfect in terms of trials, like everyone will have their own experience, but I do think it's a signal that there's a big difference between free and paid. Mm. The, the second thing is I think you're better, and I don't, I've uh, seen this with language education, particularly for in-person language education companies uh, do this quite poorly, is they put this massive form in front of you and they kind of take every ounce of flesh before you actually uh, do a trial. So I think you can make people pay effectively with their time in terms of what they give, which can work, but only up to a point. But my feeling is that it's better to get people to pay with a little bit of time thinking about why they should do a trial class in the form of a questionnaire then spend that time just putting in their email, but then spending five minutes trying to figure out what their credit card details are and trying to put mm-hmm. that into the system to get that $1 transaction. Uh, Willem, I'll turn over to you, maybe. You can buffer those those two ideas. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose that's the thing. A, a $1 or one euro charge is actually a lot bigger of, a, of an obstacle, you might think. Exactly, Alex, as you mm-hmm. said, because you've got to do credit card details, you've got to actually figure out how to pay. Um, but that can be a tool in its own way. We, we were talking earlier today about, you know, a, a really specific subject university tutor, you know, and if you're really good and you're, you charge top dollar, like you can have the, some of these tutors charge, you know, upwards of a hundred, $150 a class. You don't want any jokers because your time is that valuable. You're a specialist, you know, so even just a $1, um, charge and then, and then you're giving them basically a $99 discount on their first class. Mm-hmm which seems like an incredible value, but it means that they have to go through that process of paying. So, so you really cut down on, on people who aren't serious about it. Another uh, use for paid trials is on cutting down repeat no-shows. Yeah. Uh, and I've seen that before. If someone doesn't show up and they go, oh, you know, sorry, you know, let's reschedule. Cool. And then they'll show up again. Um, so I think the best policy with, with things like this is to be have a really strict policy that you tell them. It's like you only get one free trial per student but then it's up to you how strict that is in reality but but for for you i'm going to make a very special exception uh and you know you can say okay if if they give a genuine result sometimes say i'm so sorry you know i had a doctor's appointment or whatever it was um so they can give you a genuine reason yeah give them one more go uh but if they just say i forgot then obviously you have to pay for the next one um Mm -hmm. and if this and you know it could still be quite cheap but if they're serious about it they'll they'll do it I was actually just thinking, I recently took a, uh, a private Spanish uh, course or, or lessons with italki. And 
italki don't offer free trials but they do offer paid trials mm-hmm. uh, it's not a dollar it's like three or four dollars um, for the first lesson and then you you know go on to to pay for the normal price for any any um, additional lessons so mm-hmm. you know maybe you know there is a use case um, for for paid paid trials or paid first lessons so to say always about testing right to see to see what works curiously though that's also like a discounted Right, rather yeah, than a I guess free so. or even yeah, a nominal. Free. And you can see that there's like these experiments that you could run mm. on what works best. And it's going to be whatever works best for your tutoring or language business. Yeah. Mm. And that's up for you to, to figure that out. And how do we minimize no-shows then? And well, and we've already talked about follow-up on the day, making sure that you have you know, some system in place to be able to do that. Do you have any other ideas or thoughts? Um, no, I mean, well, like, you know, charging for repeat no-shows is going to cut that down. But, I mean, basically, particularly if you're offering something for free, your your questionnaire should be quite short and easy to complete because you don't want to create too many obstacles. So free trials are a no-show heavy game, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely you want to be able to reach out to the student, you know, on the morning of. If the class is in the evening, then maybe another follow-up message an hour before. Um I'm uh, maybe it's the Irish in me. I'm always very afraid of annoying people or hassling people, you know, um, so I don't want to send too many messages. But, you know, a, a, a reminder in the morning and a reminder an hour before the class and then a message within those first five minutes of, hey, just in case you're having any trouble, you can contact me. You know, it's like three emails and they did book a class. So it's, it's you shouldn't mm. feel bad for doing it. At the same time, you don't want to bombard them. Um, but that, that's kind of all you can do, I think. You know? Yeah. I agree. One thing I think that could help anyone that's listening in as well is when you're running experiments, sometimes you're running experiments and you only have very limited, you know, users coming into your website naturally. This is something that I think is worth investing some money and putting some money into, say, Google Ads, not because it's going to be the viable, uh, you know, channel, but simply because you can then get enough traffic and do a couple of different experiments quite mm-hmm. quickly so that you're not wasting months and months to get enough data to know whether you should offer a free class, a discounted class, a $1 class, and also your approach to trials. You know, Should it be a consultation with nothing about education? Should it be really a little bit of consultation, a lot of class, and a little bit of, you know, okay, let's book you into your next course. And all of those things are helpful if you can speed up that learning process. So that might be a little tip if you're wanting to figure out what is the best approach for you. Next, we're going to talk about getting organized. Now, Willem, this is really your section. So tell me about um, how do you prep for a great trial class? I suppose we we talked already about the scheduling and and making sure that you're in your own day, you know, you, you, you're ready, you're in the right mindset. I've done it before where I have um, trial class, real class, trial class, real class, you know what I mean? And it kind of, it gets you out of the mindset and it kind of breaks your flow. So it's nice to have mm-hmm. a block for you there. You know, the, if, if you're, you know, think, thinking about developing a trial class protocol, you know, you got to know that it has to evolve. So you need to have an objective that you want to kind of push it towards Try out whether it's good to have a really, really scripted class. Try out whether it's good to have an extremely flexible class. And I suppose part of that depends on your strengths, like your your didactic methodology. 
do you have a really, really structured curriculum? In which case, maybe 30-minute free trial class isn't going to show you the benefits of that. So you might want to have a little section at the start where you explain about the curriculum and tell students why it is we do this method and why it's going to be a benefit. So if, if they're not going to see the benefit within that little 30 minutes, you need to tell them, you know. Um, so these are the things you need to think about in terms of structuring. But as a rule of thumb, though, uh, like I said before, five minutes at the start and five minutes at the end. You know, the meat is in the middle. You want to, you know, flash your biggest smile and be as charismatic as possible. You know, wow them with your, your amazing knowledge. Um, but at the start, who are you? Why do you want to study? Um, you know, just give me a little bit of info about yourself. And then that's valuable information for you to adapt the structure of the class. Uh, and for later on. And then at the end, listen, you've got them. So don't just say, OK, that was great. They're smiling. They're really happy. Uh, OK, cool. Bye. You know, you have them. So so say, well, have you got any questions, first of all? And maybe they do, maybe they don't. And then, OK, well, listen, this is the information. This is how we do it. This is how you sign up. These are the options you can do, which also means that your trial class teachers, if, you, if you're we're talking about a school, they need to know all of the special offers. They need to be up to date on the different packages. They need to know, you know, if the, if the student has a question like, oh, you know, can I pay in three installments instead of just one or something? They need to be able to give a definitive answer, you know, and there's always going to be curveballs. So they need to be told as well. Guys, you know, if they ask you a weird question, just say, you know, that's a really good question. I'll get back to you, you know, but then do get back to them immediately follow up and then you know you you've got all the information at the start so you know what type of person they are why they're learning so you can actually tailor the follow-up based on all the information you've gathered within that class one of the things that you kind of outlined is again you know test whether it's script or no script but the structure i think is really important but also incredibly important to get up front when you meet with the student or prospect because if you don't outline what you're going to do they are either going to be like off put or not prepared for what you're going to be doing. So firstly, you know, I'm going to spend five minutes talking about this. We're going to be doing X minutes doing class and you're going to learn something great. That's going to be specific for you. And then we're going to spend five minutes to deal some of your questions and then figure out how we can make the next step. But I think you should be, be upfront that you're going to assume that this is going to go great because what, this is not like a, this is not a trial class of 50 50 whether you're in. You're already prepared to buy as long as I've delivered a good class. That that's how assumptive I think you need to be in the trial class because otherwise, why would they be there? This isn't just about getting a free class. It was about you getting the information. If they're a parent, they should, you know, what are you going to be doing afterwards? You should be like, yeah, I liked how the class went and let's, let's take that next step. But they're never going to be more hot or not than when they've done that trial class. So I think presuming that they're going to say yes is probably a part of of that trial structure. I definitely agree. Like this, this is when you have them in the palm of your hand, like if you're on a video call with them. Mm. Uh, like you said, if it's, you know, parents, that that's the decision maker. So it's very mm. important that sometimes they'll, they'll say hello at the start and then leave the kids to it. It's important at the end to say, if you got any questions, okay, and does mummy have any questions? And if, if mummy's not there, oh, can you go and get her, you know? Mm. They'll do what you say. You just be authoritative. <laughs> but um, but no, it's, it's important to, to have that connection with the decision maker as well. You know, another thing that you said I, I really agree with is that you, you set expectations for at the end, we're going to, I'll tell you about the course and stuff. Because I've had classes where the student will kind of get distracted and in the middle ask me about the pricing and stuff. And then mm. I'm thrown, the class doesn't end up being so good. 
I forget have I told them already at the end. So it's much better to say, oh, yeah, we'll talk about that at the end and be quite strict. What sort of makes a great trial teacher in your view, Willem? Well, again, this really depends on uh, the, the type of course you offer, the type of students you offer. But in, in my view, you know, they need to be someone who's very adaptable. They need to be able to turn on a dime, both in terms of, oh, oh, you, you're doing interview practice. Cool. Let's do this. And you just do a totally different exercise you weren't prepared for. But they also need to be able to very quickly, uh, you know, help someone with a tech problem because th- this happens, you know, uh, you, you could have a student who's, you know, not particularly techie for whatever reason. It's not our target demographic, but I always ended up with elderly Italians. Um, <laughs> and I love them to bits, but they, they, you know, terrible with computers. And, you know, Giuseppe will be down in 20 minutes, the grandson, to fix the computer. And you need to, no, we need to do it now, you know. So um, it needs to be someone who can deal with these situations without getting stressed. And also, you know, every single situation is an opportunity to sell why your school, why your courses, why you as a teacher are good. So you've got a tech problem. Cool. This is my opportunity to show you. I don't get stressed. I can calm you down and make sure you feel relaxed. And also we can solve it together. No problem. So like even that that worst case situation or something where you don't know the answer. This is for, for general teaching. If you don't know the answer, it's cool to say, I don't know, let's Google it together, you know. So very, very adaptive, very tech savvy. And yeah, I mean, likable, like you want someone who is, uh, we were laughing about this earlier, like attractive, but not in the sense of like physically beautiful. You like someone who's attractive is someone with that twinkle in their eye. Um, so you want your, your most charismatic teachers up front. Makes sense. So with those people, well, like I know that you're a big fan of, you know, just playing to your strengths. What does that translate in, in when it comes to a trial class? Well, I suppose it, it's down to how you plan your lesson plan. You know, for me, I always have, you know, a few materials or a few units that I fall back on. So I have like my trial unit, but then I also have other materials I always have ready because I am that kind of person that I, I uh, go on tangents and get distracted very easily. So why not go with it? You know, if I, I want to go with whatever the student wants to do. But maybe you're thinking, oh, well, I'm really not that kind of person. I get flustered if I go off my lesson plan. And I know loads of teachers like that as well. Then cool, plan it in a really structured way. Um, you know, you need to think about um, your weaknesses as well. Uh, like I said, my weakness is going on tangents. So I have my uh, little, I have a little Excel sheet with, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes, five minutes, you know, so I, I don't <laughs> go off script too much, even if I'm trying to chase down the students' needs. Um, and you might want to have some of the reminders there. Um, it's also really nice if, if you speak a few languages, for example, or even if you just said the basics, uh, particularly for beginners coming into my English lessons. Like I say, now, super okay, in Portuguese, I'm muito mal também, you know, and are like, you know, I just tell them it's okay. I speak badly as well, so don't be stressed, don't worry. Um, but I have my little phrases, my key phrases there. Um, just in case the, it's a kid's trial class and the parent asks you a question and maybe their English isn't um you know uh, very strong either so i can answer some of the questions in my broken french or whatever it is yeah one thing actually i will and apologies this is a, a total kind of push of on learning but i can't help myself <laughs> because we actually have an automatic translate tool in the chat so if you do oh, wow. get into a situation where the parent maybe isn't a native speaker of english you can get them to put it in their own language and then automatically translate that so that you can understand it. really helpful for uh, nice. instruction so apologies for the blatant part. I, like, that is not like I, I have used that great feature well in trial classes yeah yeah 
one of the things I also really liked about this, and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about before, Willem, which is this idea of if it's deliberate, which means are you prepared? And so if you've already set the scene that, hey, I'm Willem, um, I'm really here to to follow, you know, what, you know, understand your needs. And we're going to really focus today's session on purely what you uh, are interested in. And then you've already given yourself permission. Whereas if you're very strict and structured, you'll be like, hey, you know, this is how we're going to be doing this session. And it's going to be black and white from the start and very deliberate. The fact that they're like, oh, that's interesting. They didn't really do exactly what I thought that we were going to do. And, but, you know, they set it up front. So I'm, I'm at least seeing that as a professional and prepared response. Mm. If you're doing it that way, you say, you know, our courses have a very good structure. So today I'm going to try and give you a taste of that structure. Mm. So don't just say I'm going to be robotic and the class could be a bit boring. <laughs> it's like, no, this is the reason I'm doing it. I want to give you a real flavor. I'm giving you value for your free money. I love it. That's good. <laughs> uh, let's assume that they do want to give you, you know, something about themselves and for you to understand their needs. What is that like? What are the kind of questions that you need to eke out that are really important Possibly for you to use at the end when they're possibly in the, the the need to hear a little bit more about what they need to be able to purchase that or, or take that next step. Like, do you have any questions, Willem, that kind of yeah. you need to be able to ask? Um, for me, th- there are the basic ones. Why are you studying? What's the most difficult thing? Uh, you know, what, what level are you at? Things like that. Have you studied before? Uh, why didn't you like those lessons if you didn't continue them? Why did you like them? You know, why are you looking for a new teacher? Those are the basic ones that I think, or I, I should hope that they're obvious. Um, <laughs> you know, um, maybe not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so, you know, I mean, the, the objective there being, why are you taking the classes and how can I help you meet your educational needs? But then the other questions you really want to ask are more conversational ones. And you need to take that time to get to know your student uh, and like say, okay, where are you based and where are you coming from? Oh, cool. It's, you know, what's the weather like there at the moment? And I was there in holidays. Um, you don't spend too much time on it. I suppose it's easier for language classes because you can do it under the guise of conversation. But at the end of that couple of minutes, you know, you're typing away in the background and you say, okay, interests are football and Pokemon cards, uh, three sisters, Maybe they'll sign up, you know, all this kind of stuff. And, you, and you've got a bit more information about them as a student, which, as I said, it, it can be useful within that specific trial class. But this is a great time to get that information for later on when they do sign up. Uh, for example, I'm studying for this particular exam and oh, the teacher in school is really, you know, I don't like it because the teacher's not. I said, why not? You know, oh, they never let me talk and blah, blah, blah. Then, you know what they didn't like about their class, why they're coming to you, but moreover, how you can deliver a better experience than they're getting elsewhere and pass that on to your colleagues if you're in a school or, you know, kind of adapt it to your own lesson plan if you're a solo teacher. Yeah, I think I, a big part as a as a customer is you're always expecting, let's say, you know, the teacher is the salesperson in this, in this case, but they're expecting to hear what they've said reflected back to them in a positive, mm-hmm. helpful way at another point in the future. <laughs> Pretty much the more you can do that, and even if it takes a little while, but you bring it back at the right time, like that's the, that's really what people are seeing is, oh, this is a professional, this is somebody that is really getting me. Herbert, do you have anything? Yeah, I, I think these free trials or consultations or sales calls are so valuable, even if the prospect doesn't sign up because you are extracting so much information yeah from your ideal audience. Um, and then, you know, it's time for you to figure out, okay, why, 
why didn't they sign up? And maybe you need to refine your message or your marketing. Uh, maybe you can fine tune it um, based on what people say. If if all of the you know ten free trials are saying, oh, you know that they really want to boost their confidence in terms of uh, speaking English, then maybe that's something you need to highlight more on your website in your promote promotional material. One thing that we're going to be talking about next is about follow-ups, but it gave me the idea as well that if you've had all, if you've got all this great information, you're probably going to have a systematic way of following it up. But I'm assuming, like with you, Willem, you're a really likable person, and if you maybe I, I kind of expect that you know you'll send me some systematic emails after the call, and maybe I don't buy, right? But eventually you might be like, hey, well, do you mind just following up personally? And if you sent me like a really like I knew that it was like you, Willem, because you would say, hey, we talked about X, Y and Z and it really sounded like this was the right fit. Even if it's not the right fit, do you think I could borrow you for 10 minutes just so I can understand why you decide not to, to go with us? Mm. Again, you can't do that if you're not if you haven't built that like likability and, and built that trust. But that is super valuable because now you've got at least the ability to know why something didn't work rather than mm. just guessing. Absolutely. And it might be just, maybe it just wasn't the right time. Maybe, uh, you know, they're going to do it in six months, six months later, or maybe it was because of price, you know, and that yeah. was what they were shopping for. Yeah. I've had, um, you know, trial class students that signed up months and months after our, our trial. Mm. Um, or, you know, sometimes, so we would get uh, students signing up for a free trial through the, our school's website, um, and we would see the email as you know been been contacted before. So you you con- contact the their trial class teacher. Uh, so say like, Willem, this guy's asked for another free trial. And kind of, oh, I see. We had we did a trial class you know last year. Um, so you don't say you don't get another one. You say you don't need to do another one. You're all good to go. Um, but uh, you you put it on the same email thread, so they're they're going to get the you know if you sent them any class notes or any conversation you had, they're going to get it there, and they're going to reconnect and feel remembered, which mm-hmm. is why again those notes that you take in in that getting to know you conversation are super useful. And if you are using, um, you know, you could use something like HubSpot, um, all these sales um, kind of organizational platforms. There are a few free ones as well or cheaper ones, yeah. um, but they all always allow you to add notes to the to the lead. Yeah. Yeah, I think Insightly was one that I used for a time that was free. So again, if even if you're just starting up, there are free options for you to kind Absolutely. of ha- still have a system, still get organized. Um, but it's very important. I, I would say uh, that that follow-up process is possibly one of the most important things business-wise that you can do if you're relying on some kind of sales process. And in this case, if you're having to do trial classes, that is a sales process for sure. We're going to uh, so we talked. I think probably enough on follow-ups. I think there's a lot there that we could talk about on the follow-ups. We've also touched on experimentation, but this is really important. How, Willem, do you have any tips on how to set up an experiment or how to record that? Like even in your own experience, what were you reporting back on that helped whoever was creating you know, that, that process know, hey, are we getting better? Are we getting better at these, at these free trial classes? Yeah, well, I mean, I've, I've had experience at two different levels, which is nice. One was working for a large school that was doing, you know, lots and lots of trials, you know, um, hundreds per month uh, with different teachers. And for us, it was very important to have a systemized way of entering that data into an Excel sheet when we decided we wanted to tweak things. 
when do I contact them? Did they follow up? Uh, you know, and I'm, I'm strictly, you know, I follow up on three days and on seven days or whatever. And you would write, write back all of the ones that message you, you had to put into that sheet, you know. Um, so I feel like the larger the organization, people have this inclination to be really, really strict with it. And then I've done it myself and failed trying to experiment because I was impatient and I didn't have that kind of diligence. So even if you're doing it as an individual teacher, you just want to tweak and change. Um, you don't want to compare two different follow-up emails that are like worlds apart. You want to take one email, copy and paste it, and then change things in it because otherwise you don't know what's working and what's not working. You know, and then you want to be very diligent and careful and send to exactly half and note it down. Use an Excel sheet. There's loads of software that'll do this for you automatically. And if you're a wizard, that maybe that's great. But I prefer to just do it all on Excel or Google Sheets, and then I can just look at the actual numbers in front of me. Um, and Alex, what you said earlier is fantastic advice. You know, there's no point doing an experiment with five trial classes. Put a bit of money into Google Ads. Maybe you'll make some more sales. Um, but you will definitely hone your uh, your funnel or your flow. Uh, Herbert, any last tips from you when it comes to trial classes? Uh, yeah, getting traffic, uh, driving traffic to your website, and that could be paid um, or it can be organic. You know, getting on forums, on in Facebook groups, LinkedIn groups, posting on a blog or on your LinkedIn profile. Uh, you you need to drive traffic to that uh, landing page um, to see. And get that get get that data. I would add to that that if you're starting, get busy uh, and get as much, even if it's free, but get as much experience and as much exposure to different types of students as possible early on. So then you can make the. I mean, we've done a, a podcast on choosing your niche. Like you can't do that unless you have enough students mm -hmm. that you've met with. Uh, likewise, if you're trying to make experience, making sure that you've got enough people as part of that sample set to be useful, I think is another important part. There's no uh, no point in one or two that worked and then immediately changing. I think patience is something I've battled with when doing experiments. So I would really err on making sure that you've got enough people in that sample size before you change anything. Otherwise, you get quite different results. Yeah, well, speaking about you know, patience, um you know, there's patience in terms of waiting before you make a change, but there's also patience in terms of for, for new teachers starting out particularly. Don't get disheartened. You know, you I, I used to do face painting for little kiddies outside the zoo. Often you you wait like an hour with no one. But when you get that first kid, then people will queue up behind them, you know. So you're going to have these patches where you're reaching out to people on LinkedIn. You're reaching out here and there. You're paying for ads and everything. And you're just not getting people into the trials. And then they're not showing up and then they're not signing up. Mm. But this is an investment and your time is what you're investing into it. And you are going to hone it. Like I ended up with a, a trial class flow that was amazing. And it still only had about a 60 percent, you know, uh, uh, rate of people showing up and then from there it was a bit of 50% sign up rate and that's really good so if mm. you're starting with almost nothing you know <laughs> you don't have far to go because you're never <laughs> going to get 100% attendance and 100% yeah. sign up if you do please uh, talk to me you can find my email uh, somewhere on this podcast <laughs> but but yeah you know stick to it um, because every little tweak you make uh, really really make a big impact down the road fantastic 
we're going to wrap that up today. I hope you've learned um, a lot. I really enjoyed this conversation. And again, as I always do, learned a ton. Uh, <laughs> if you're wanting to learn more about maybe how to drive more people to your free trials, uh, Herbert might be your person. Herbert, <laughs> tell us where they might be able to find you. Sure. Uh, they can visit me on my website, herbertgerzo.com. Great. And Willem, I'll uh, let you kind of sign off for us as on behalf of Team LearnCube, but www.learncube if you want to learn more about us. And if you want to learn more from Willem, uh, tell us about where you fit in terms of the, the LearnCube team. Yeah, well, I mean, you can find me uh, on our YouTube channel. I'm the one doing all those boring long videos talking about buttons and what they do. Boring. They're not boring. They're not too boring. <laughs> yeah. But, Educational. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if you are interested, if you're an, an individual teacher interested in leveling up, uh, I'm taking care of our online school lights, which is a platform intended for uh, kind of, I heard them called teacherpreneurs, solopreneurs. Um, but yeah, anyone who's an individual teacher really wanting to bring the business to the next level, uh, you'll probably end up speaking to me at some point. That's great. And you can find it, start, start with the sign up just on our, our website, www.learncube.com. And otherwise, you're going to hear from us if you hit the subscribe button for the Get More Students podcast. Uh, and we look forward to getting a shiny new episode for you in just a couple of weeks time. See you soon. Catch you in the next one. Bye, everybody.